So this morning, I am so excited about what God is going to speak to us and really share with us. And we're, it's a little bit different. We're sitting at a table because we're starting a, a new series, a new thought of really understanding what God's Word is saying to us. You know, the, the dinner table and the table is so important. It's so funny. It's funny when the kids are young and the children are young, they come running into the house and they're wondering, what's for dinner? Literally, what's on the table? (laughs) What is it? Is it going to be something good? Is it going to be something that I don't like to eat? What's on the table? So the kids come running in wondering what's on the table. The parents come walking and wondering into the kitchen, wondering (laughs) what am I going to put on the table? But it's always a place that the family can sit down and be together. And whatever that family consists of, whether it's a generational and a lot of uh, younger and older, or it's just a very small nucleus, maybe it's just a, just a, a, a young couple. Whatever that family is, whatever that uh, family consists of, sitting around the table, everything, all the research is indicated, sitting around the table is essential. It is something that actually builds strength into the family and into each other. I was reading this uh, research that said that 60 years ago, the average time that a family would sit around the table was 90 minutes. (laughs) And we actually talked about that with my family, and everyone was wondering, how could you eat for 90 minutes? And honestly, I have no idea. (laughs) Because I don't think they ate for 90 minutes. I think they ate and they just sat and they fellowshiped and they connected and they talked about their days and whatever it was. The average was 90 minutes then. Today, the average that anyone would say at the table is about 15 minutes. That's the average. So there's some that's more like seven and maybe some that would be a little bit longer. But the average is about 15 minutes. And I I thought about that. There's a real shift. There's a real change away from that. Uh, Research says... That the uh, the health that if children come, they actually or and sit at the table on a regular basis. They're actually healthy emotionally, and more uh, feel more secure just to have the regular time at the table. Teens actually feel uh, more adjusted. They have better manners, <laughs> and it says that teens that have a regular dinner time with the family are actually better communicators and how they talk to other people. So it's not only in manner. So it's all kinds of healthy. So the, the children are, are better, the teens are, are better, the parents are worn out, but that's beside the point. We're all together, and that's such a good thing. That's such a positive thing. But maybe your family table wasn't so good. Maybe sitting around the table for you was something that was uh, difficult. Maybe your table was a table that was filled with strife or uh, rejection. Maybe it wasn't something that was healthy at all. So when I'm talking about sitting around a healthy table, you're thinking that wasn't my experience. And I think that uh, there's many out there that might be like that. But this morning, I want to introduce you to God's table. It's a different table. And just as important, as coming around the table for the family on a regular basis. So it is, and so it's important for God's family to understand his table, to understand the table that he has. Now, all through the Bible, you will find the metaphor of tables. 
It's different types of tables, but tables that are important, tables that are really essential to understand who God is and what God is saying. As a matter of fact, and the point, all of it was about table, usually the foundation of tables was about relationship. The foundation of tables was about connecting and being together. In the, in the temple itself that David or that uh, was built for God, God's temple, in the, next to the Holy of Holies, just outside of it, was a table, and it was God's table. It was a table of showbread. It was a table of where there were 12 loaves representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And this table was, was right next to the Holy of Holies and was represented the relationship, uh, that the commitment that God had to be with his people. In Psalms 23, it talks about uh, God said that I will build, I will present, I will have a table and I will serve a table for you in the presence of your enemies. I often got confused with that table. I'm thinking, that's crazy. How could you eat and fight at the same time? But the picture is not of fighting, but the picture is of a battle already won, a victory that's already been decided, something that's already concluded. It is a, it is a table that God sets up for us, showing the enemy has been defeated. I like that table. That's a good table. Maybe we'll talk about that table in the future too. It's a table of blessing. But the question is, how do you see God's table? Especially for you in your life right now, in the midst of everything that's going on, do you see it as a table that's filled with failure? Maybe a table that's filled with condemnation. Maybe a table that is filled with rejection. Some table that you feel like, I just can't live up to. I can't really achieve that. It's important for us to understand that the table that I want to talk about this morning is a table of blessing, is a table of victory, is a, is a table where God has moved and done such amazing thing for us. So this morning, we're going to start a series called What's on the Table? What's on the Table? And specifically this morning, we're going to talk about what's on the table. And what's on the table this morning is an open heaven. Oh, that's so exciting. And it's not just something that's a theology that I want to talk about this morning or something that is way out there and distant. This is about you now today. This is about how you live your life. If you understand this table that I'm talking about, the, a table that it was set with an open heaven, then you will understand how to live your life. And you will have a different perspective and even different strength to live that life. It's so important to understand that. Now, I am one when I'm reading a book and such that I don't like to know the ending. In fact, if I'm reading a book, uh, I won't even read the flaps because I think it gives away too much. I want every page to be a new experience. I, I, that's just the way I am. And if uh, Lisa has read a book before I have, and, and I'll just say, well, is it good? Did you like it? That's it. I don't want any new details. I don't want to know anything else. In fact, uh, when I went to the movies and I would see the previews in the theater, you know what that is, the movies where you'd go and you'd see it, uh, uh, you know, they're extinct now. They're not going to ever come back, <laughs> it feels like. But when I would see the previews, I would not be happy. I would think, okay, that's cool. I, 
going to look forward to that movie. But at the same time, they're thinking, you just gave the movie away. I know what's going to happen. And I don't want to know. I like to just experience it. I'm not one that jumps to the end <laughs> at all. When I was... Uh, uh, many years ago, I was a movie editor, and one of the things that I did is that I would movies they would send to the TV station, and then I would take out content or I would take out uh, uh, time in the movies to fit a certain time slot, or if there was something inappropriate in the movie, we would take that out, and I would put in the fade to blacks or all the things that would need to be there so that the switcher would know there was a break that was coming up. And as I did that, I got pretty good at figuring out movies, figuring out at the beginning, okay, this is a scene that I can take out. Now, I'm sure the original uh, producer of that uh, or editor of, of that show would think, yeah, you can't take that out because sometimes scenes would be put in for context or they would be put in to just sort of give a little bit of atmosphere to the character, to explain the character. And But for the understanding the film or understanding the movie or understanding the show, it wasn't necessary. So I would learn to take those out. And I would get pretty good. Just looking at a scene, I would say, okay, they don't need that scene. It would be okay. Sometimes I'm wrong because you get to the end and you realize, oh, no, <laughs> that was necessary. That was important. That was something that was really needed to understand the ending. And I would have to go all the way back and put it in. Didn't like that at all. But when you get to the end, that's when you find out everything. That's when you find out what's the punchline, what's the, what's, how everything worked out, how everything evolved and moved through the movie. That's where you find the answer. And so that's what I want to do this morning. I want to skip to the end. <laughs> I want to go to the end because if you don't know the end, if you don't know the last table, you'll never understand the tables that God has for you right now. If you don't grab a hold of the table that God has at the very end and understand how that fits into your life today, then you won't understand the wonderful tables that God has for you. So we're going to start this morning at the end, at the last table. And so let's go all the way to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. This is such a great book, and we're often very intimidated this, by this book because there's so many different interpretations about what it can mean. Now, and that's true, and I would, you know, I feel like God has helped me understand some really solid things about Revelation, and I love teaching on that. There's a blessing, actually, to understanding Revelation and everything that was involved there. However, one of the things that no one questions about is the incredible clear, descriptive picture that we get of Christ himself, of Jesus. Jesus and how he is majestic and how he's amazing and how he's incredible. So if you go to Revelation 19, you'll see such a great picture of Jesus himself. Who is Jesus? He's described as holy. He's described as just powerful. You see that picture. There's no doubt. There's no interpretation that is varies on that. You see the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord, the head of the church, coming back with such glory, with such power. But right in the middle of describing who Jesus is and how Jesus fits into our lives, then all of a sudden you find an amazing verse. In, in fact, in verse uh, chapter 19, Verse 9, it says this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Literally, the wedding table of the Lamb. In other words, there is a table that's established right in the middle of chapter 19. 
This is a table of all tables. This is the table that says this is the ultimate table. This is the last table that we find anywhere in the Bible. The table that described for where God sits down with us. And so it's important for us to understand what does that table mean? What does that table mean for us? What's going on in all of this that we would understand the significance of that table? Because when you get to the end, when you get to the last table, you begin to reflect and say, hey, this is what it means to me. And and so in verse 11 of that same chapter, we find an incredible description of Jesus. And this is what it says. He said, I saw heaven uh, open. I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. Whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice, he judges and wages war. Wow. That, I mean, you read that verse and, and you just feel the authority and the power. There's so much in that verse. And I just want to unpack it a little bit because unpacking that verse helps us understand the table that we're at. The last table, the significant table. See, this table says we win. That's what you have to understand. You need to know that we win. If you understand this table, you understand we win. But how do we get to that table? That is the blessing that I want to talk about this morning. John opens up this verse and says, I saw heaven open wide. Heaven was open wide. Who was it open for? Well, Everyone that was invited to the table. It's open for you. It's open for us. We need to understand and have a concept of an open heaven. And I think sometimes, maybe because of our culture, maybe because of our uh, lack that we feel in our own lives, or our inadequacies that we feel, we feel like, I don't really understand about an open heaven. The, one of the first times that heaven is talked about as being open is God promising. He says, look, if you're faithful, with your resources, if you're faithful in bringing in your resources into uh, the storehouse, into the church, if you're faithful giving me and blessing me with, with, with those finances, as you do that, God promises that he will open heaven, that he will f- open the, the, the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing upon us. Now, if you look carefully, you find that's a promise. You find that's future, that I will do that. He says, Watch and see if I don't. He said, it's a promise that this will happen. A little bit later on, you find this uh, a similar picture where Jesus is being baptized. And as he's being baptized, it says that he looked up and he saw heaven standing open. Literally, it means there, tore, tearing open. So where in the Old Testament, it was a promise of what will happen. Here, it's a present Uh, The verb there is present, showing it's happening right now. Jesus looked up, and as the Holy Spirit was coming down like a dove, and he was being baptized, heaven was literally being torn open. It was changing before his very eyes because the power and the ministry of Jesus Christ was beginning. It was happening right then. And you might think and you might feel, how can that happen for me? Because a little bit later on, it says that Stephen looked up and said and and saw uh, Jesus standing and heaven was open. Now it's past tense. And in fact, since that 
a water baptism where the Holy Spirit fell and it was a present sort of a tearing and, and, a, and a current opening of heaven. Everything after that, heaven is seen as opened. It is done. And Stephen looked up and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God and it was heaven was open. It was done. And even here, the, the, the tense is past tense where in Revelation... John saw heaven open. It is done. It is open. Now, I was uh, remembering a cartoon that I saw of, of two men who were walking up to heaven's gates, and it was closed. And as they were walking up to heaven's gates, one turned to the other and said, I knew that vegan stuff was just was, was a bunch of bull. And about that time, the other one looked up, and with, there was shock on his face because guarding the gate was a cow. <laughs> And so sometimes we feel like that. Sometimes we feel like, wait a minute, what happens if I get to the gate and it's not the circumstances I thought? <laughs> or, or the price to get in was different. And very often, whether it was through jokes or just understanding, we see St. Peter or someone guarding the gate. And I'm telling you, that's not the picture we have in the Bible. That's not the picture we have at the end. Heaven's gates are open wide. They have been thrown open. They have been literally torn open by the Holy Spirit as he descended on Jesus. And everything Jesus has done from his death to his resurrection has opened the gates of heaven and Stephen saw that they were open and John saw that they were open it's important to understand the heavens are open now, what does that mean well to understand what that means you have to understand the fact of who Jesus is because it says that Jesus was called faithful and true faithful and true now faithful and true is not what he does he's not just faithful to us it's not just what he does he's not just true to his word that's his name that's who he is he is faithful and true. Jesus is faithful. Jesus is faithful in the sense that he will not allow us to fail. You have to understand that. You have to believe that. No matter what you're doing, going through this morning, no matter how you're struggling this morning, Jesus will not allow you to fail. He is faithful in everything that he has done. He is a faithful God from the beginning to the end. He is faithful to you right now. He is with you. And even though we struggle, even though we think, I don't know if I can do this, God is faithful. As long as we are true to him and stay to him, he is faithful to us even when we struggle. And not only is he faithful, but his word is faithful. His word is true, it says. He is a true word, which really means that we can trust him. We can trust this word. If God says that we're forgiven, we're forgiven. If God says that we are healed, we are healed. The Bible, Jesus says that it, whatever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. That is so powerful. That's a true word. We can trust that. We can believe it. And there's ever a time in this day, in this age, with everything going on, that we need to understand what the table of God is saying is that it means that his word is true, that we can trust his word. Now, sometimes we really struggle with some of this. The fact that he is, he is faithful and true is what, who he is. But then the verse goes on to say, hey, what does he do? And what does he do, the one who is faithful and true? What he does is that he judges and he fights. He, he judges and he makes things true. You see, a judge means that he determines what's right and wrong. Jesus is the one that determines what's right and wrong. And a lot of times we live in a day and an age where we say what's right and wrong. That's right, that's wrong. 
And the world is just upside down backwards saying, Everything that is right is really wrong. Everything that is wrong is really right. That world is backwards. But in the end, God is the judge. He judges me, judges you, and he'll judge this entire world. God is the one that judges and determines what is right and determines what is wrong because only God looks at the heart. Only God knows the motive. Only God knows the intent, the very core of who man is. God is the one that judge. But not only does, his, does he judge, He actually, the Bible says, he fights. He wages war. He's the one that fights. He's not up there just saying, okay, you go over there and you attack here. And and, and, uh, we have this picture, you know, because of what we see in Daniel and the angels where the angels come and they're fighting. And I think they do. And I think that's real. But in the picture we have in Revelation is not God up there and Jesus up there sending out troops here and there. He is the one who actually fights. Although you will find, and as you read through Revelation, it's not much of a fight. <laughs> it's more of a massacre. It's more of a Jesus shows up and that's it. It's over. It's not. It's done. He's not struggling, you know, to somehow I'm going to defeat the enemy. Somehow we're going to fight this final battle and I will come against evil. It's already done. It's already defeated. Satan has been cast down and it has been bound by the force of Jesus Christ. We are victorious. In fact, the Bible says that nothing can stop the church. That the church, you and I, will prevail because the, the, the church will spread the gospel to the whole nation and nothing, nothing, nothing can stop that. We are victorious. We live in an open heaven where heaven is opened up and that the victory that we find in Jesus Christ is our victory now and the truth that we find in Jesus Christ is our truth and is that your truth right now, right here, right now? You have to believe that heaven is open. You have to believe that it's there. You know, it's really interesting when the soldiers came to capture Jesus, to take him to the cross so he'll be crucified. They didn't drag him off and Jesus goes, no, no, I don't want to go. It wasn't like that at all. They came and they said, uh, the, are, you, uh, are, you, are you Jesus? Are you? And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am. And just his words, the power of saying I am, with, uh, like God said to Moses, I am that I am. When Jesus said I am, it says that they fell back. They didn't just go, ooh, wow, that's a cool name. <laughs> no, they were thrown to the ground. Just the power, just the authority of who Jesus Christ is flattened them. You see, Jesus Christ is victorious. He is faithful. He is true. He's the one that fights for us, and he's fighting right now. And I know there's a plague that's going across this nation of sickness. And I think there is a spiritual component about it because it's not only a pestilence that's moving across this land, it's also uh, uh, the animosity and anger and rage and, and racial division. It's just, it's just uh, I believe, something the enemy is using to just ravage America. And I believe it is time for us to understand that we have an open heaven that declares the strength of Jesus Christ, that declares the love of Jesus Christ, that declares the most incredible thing. He is the victory. He doesn't just do victory. That's what it's saying in Revelation 19. He is the victory. That's who he is. That's what he does. And when he comes, it's done. If he comes and he says, I am, and the soldiers fall, fall back, that's done. And the, in the last day when Jesus returns, it, will be, it won't be a battle. It'll just be Jesus says, I am. And it'll all be over. That's the God we serve. 
You see, heaven is open because he is faithful. Heaven is open because he is true to you and everything that you need to understand who he is. But you might look at your own life and you say, Greg, I, I don't know. How do I know that heaven is open? How do I know that I'll really go to heaven? I feel so weak. I feel like I fail. I feel like I let God down. And I feel like that I'm not sure. Maybe I'll get to heaven and those gates are are really close. Or maybe what I'm praying and I'm saying, God, heal my family or heal my finances or move in my heart. Maybe they'll be closed. How do I know that heaven's gates are open? When I feel so weak, how do I know that he's really there? That he's really moving in my life? And that's what this table is all about. That's what he's doing. That's how we know that he is moving in our life. That's how we we look at this table and we say, really, what this table, what is this table about? In Matthew, we find the most amazing story. And it's really easy to miss it. It's really easy to to sort of uh, just fly right by it and really not understand what this is really all about. Because this is what we need to understand. The Lord's table is set and an open heaven is being served. The Lord's table is set and an open heaven is being served. And in Matthew, we find this story that amplifies that, that helps us understand that. It's a story of the most tender compassion that Jesus has for us. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 20, uh, we, we find that Jesus, here's Jesus, and he comes and he is, uh, walks into the synagogue. And as he goes into the synagogue, the Pharisees have a trap set up for him. And the trap is that he will uh, see this man who has a shriveled hand. And when he sees it, he's going to do something. Because, see, this is, this is a Sabbath. And the law says, God's law says, you don't do any work. And they have then interpreted that healing would be work. Jesus sees this man, knows that it's a trap, knows that, that if, he, if he heals this man, that they're going to try to kill him. It heals anyway. And, of course, it, the verse, it says that immediately they, they began to plot. And they began to say, how can we kill Jesus? Jesus knew that his time hadn't come yet that it, had, it wasn't time for him to give his life. And so the Bible says in Matthew that he withdrew from everyone, that he just pulled away back from everyone and went out to be alone, away from the crowd. So that if he's away from the crowd, then he's not antagonizing it and making the situation work, uh, worse. But unfortunately, the people followed him, <laughs> and they found him. Now, What's interesting is that there's no indication that the, uh, the time has, has lapsed. So obviously, either it's late Friday night or it's sometime Saturday, it's still Sabbath. It's still Sabbath. And now all these people have come, and they're looking at Jesus, and Jesus has moved away and hid from, really, the people so that the very thing that's about to happen wouldn't happen. And yet when he sees the people, when he sees them hurting, the Bible says in the most powerful verse, I just love it, he says that he healed them all. He healed them all. So he didn't sit and just heal one man. 
He healed them all. He healed everyone, knowing that this would just infuriate the Pharisees and maybe rush a timeline that wasn't ready yet, but he could not miss. He could not just pass. He couldn't go by and not see and heal the people of all of their sickness, of all the things that they're dealing with. And what is powerful about this time is that it says that uh, uh, G- Matthew describes Jesus this way. He does a, an Old Testament quote from Isaiah. A lot of times when you're reading and you see the Old Testament quotes, you just sort of skip through real quick. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you're red letter um, New Testament readers, you know, where you just want to read everything Jesus said, which are really awesome, but then you skip all the other part because, it's, you know, you don't understand it. And this is one of those passages you may not understand, but it is actually describing who Jesus is. Now watch this. It says in verse 20, a bruised stick, he will not break, he will not step on. And a smoldering wick, he will not snuff out till he has brought, watch this, justice through to victory. That is so amazing. That is so amazing. He's going to bring us to, through victory. You see, a bruised stick is, is one that has been broken like this. It just would take just, just a little bit, not much of anything. Just, just dropping it and it would break. It's, it, is, it is right on the edge. And that's how we feel so often. We feel like, God, I'm broken. God, I'm meshed up inside. And, it, 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 and I can't even take any weight. And maybe you're feeling that. Maybe you feel like, man, I messed up or I can't do this or this is really hard. And just want the lightest touch could break through. It also talks about a, a smoldering wick. Now, a smoldering wick is one that is about to go out. See, these flames are nice and strong, but when a flame gets to the point that all of a sudden it's about to go out, when, when, when it's barely hanging on, maybe the, the wax in the candle is all gone, or maybe, and it's begin to smolder, it's almost snuffed out, it's almost pushed out. This is what it's saying. This is how it's describing Jesus is not one when we're at the point of breaking to step on us. And Jesus is not one when the flame is about to go out, when, we're, when it's cloudy and, and murky and we really don't know what, the clarity that we should have. And we're putting out more smoke than flame. <laughs> have you ever felt like that? Feel like you're putting out more smoke than really flame? And this is what, at this point, you say, oh, I'll just put it out. Well, what's the point? Just put it out. That's not Christ. That's not the table that we have. We have a table where he will not step on us and break us. He will not come to the point where we are about to go out. Instead, he will bring us through to victory. That is so powerful because he says he takes us where we're at in our brokenness, in our, in our understanding of just how we're struggling to even have a little bit of light, a little bit of hope, a little bit. And we feel like we're putting out more smoke than flame in that moment, in that very moment. He will bring us through to victory. That's the table that we have. That's the table that we need to understand that the table we have is a table of an open heaven. What kind of table? Do you see? You need to understand. Let's get to the end. Are you struggling? Are you hurting? Are you thinking, I don't think I can do this, Greg? I, I don't, this is really hard. 
Uh, this sickness is, has got me. And, or this financial situation, my business is closed. And, and, or this, this uh, tension I have at work or whatever it is. You're just thinking, Greg, I don't think I can do this. Or this sin, this besetting sin. Because you think, Greg, what if he judges me? It says that he judges and he, he looks at the very intent of the heart. But, but how can I stand up against that? How can I stand up against that kind of, of judgment? Because God sees us even as broken and even as, a, as a, like a flame just barely hanging on. And in that, he will bring us through to victory. I love the way that that is worded in the Old Testament. And the fact that Matthew wrote it about Jesus, he will take you through. Come on, we're going to go through. We're going to go through to victory. Well, I don't know what you're dealing with right now. I don't know what you're struggling right now. But God is faithful. God is true. God wants you to understand that he has an open heaven. He has a heaven that is filled with all the blessings and all the goodness and everything that we have. That's where we end up. God will not allow you to fall. God will not allow you to fail. If you trust God, if you keep being there, he will be with you. In fact, in Revelation chapter 3, he's actually talking to the church, but it's a church that maybe has shut the door, a church that is not open, people that aren't willing to really receive everything that he is, and he's put on the outcast. And in Revelation 3.20, he says, I stand at the door and knock. (laughs) If anyone hears my voice, then I will come in and I will sit down with them. I will have uh, a sit at the table with them. It's all about a table. It's all about fellowship. It's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, I don't think I can do this or I don't think I'm strong enough. I want that table, Greg. I want to go through that open gate. How do I know that that gate is open? Let me tell you how where it starts. It starts with a table where you're in fellowship with Christ, where you've received him in your life. And if you've received him in your life and you've done that and yet you're still struggling with things, maybe you're struggling with feeling or finances or, or situations in your life, then you need to understand that God has an open table, a table of healing, a table of power and authority and grace that can change everything if you're willing to just allow him to come in and fellowship with you. And I know we feel like a broken stick. I know we feel like a candle that's just about to go out thinking I don't deserve heaven and I'm not sure well let me tell you the word is true and you can be sure because the Bible says that if we trust him if we believe in his word that that heaven is wide open and all the blessings and all the goodness right now this isn't just for a future time at the end of all things at the end of the ages this is for now heaven is open now Stephen saw heaven open now John described heaven open now it's open now for you all we have to do is say Jesus I need you Jesus I love you are you ready to do that are you ready in whatever capacity maybe you're like Revelation chapter 3, where you, you're a church, you believe in God. But in some areas of your life, you've shut the door. Maybe in hope that you can change. Maybe in faith that you will be healed. Maybe in a belief that God can turn a very difficult, broken relationship 
and situation in your life around. God can do that. God will do that. He said, Greg, how can you be so sure? Because <laughs> it's an open table. <laughs> Christ is open. Now's the time for salvation. Now is the time to, to receive everything that God has for us. Now's the time to believe. Now's the time to trust. Now's the time to say, God, come into my life. God, use me. God, help me to walk stronger. Now's the time to change everything. I believe that for you. So if you're here right now, if you're listening to what I'm saying, and your life isn't right with God, now's the time. Heaven is open. It's wide open. It's wide open for you. And I know you feel condemned and rejected, but I'm telling you that God's word is true and faithful. And he says, if you're willing to just say, God, I need you, come into my life, he will forgive you of everything, everything you've done wrong, every sin. Why? Because heaven is open. <laughs> Jesus has, has torn through the power of the Holy Spirit, through his death and resurrection, torn open heaven just for you. Now that's a table. <laughs> what a table. What a table we have. If you're willing to believe, if you're willing to believe right now, and, and I believe that there's people not only in that situation, that there's people that your heart has grown hard or you're cold and that you've pushed away things that God wants to do in your life or, or, or belief that God can actually make a difference. And you're seeing heaven as a closed, gated type of community that you can't get into. I'm telling you, it's open wide. And Christ is here right now to make a difference in your life. And I want to pray. And I want you to open your heart. Because if you open your heart... The Bible says that Jesus will come in, and as he comes in, it will change everything. There's, you need to believe that there's an open table, that there's an open heaven, that God is doing something. And God is able to do something in your life right now, right here, and what God can make. in the most amazing change in your life. I'm going to pray, and God's going to do that. I want you to pray with me. Dear Jesus, I pray right now that the power of your Holy Spirit reaches through this camera, reaches through every single uh, screen that's watching, whether it's a phone or a, or a computer or wherever, a tablet, whatever it is, God, you can pour right through that. And in the name of Jesus, I pray you touch every single person. In the heart that has been sinful and is breaking now in repentance, I pray that your forgiveness goes through them and cleanses them completely, makes them white as snow. And for some that have just given up hope or been so discouraged because they feel like a broken stick or they feel like a flame about to go out, God, I pray that the presence of your Holy Spirit breathes across them, fills them with hope and faith to believe for greater things they ever have in their life. God, believe for heaven that's open, that blessings and healings can flow into their life. God, I'm believing for that. And I'm asking you right now to touch Every single person, every single person listening to me in the name of Jesus.